Hello, my friends, and welcome to Comic Fest. Uh, this month, we were just talking all about our favorite comic book characters, our favorite comic book movies, favorite comic book stories. Basically, if it involves comic books, we're talking about it this month. However, for our specialty podcast this month, we are covering a pretty big subject that I've been wanting to do for a while, but it's something that was pretty daunting, to say the least, and that is going to be our top 10 favorite comic book characters. Um, it's going to be going very similar in the style of the way that we did our uh, top five favorite games of the last generation. If you guys listen to uh, the eighth generation podcast, which if you haven't, you can check those out on Spotify and iTunes right now. Um, but yeah, so we're just gonna we're just gonna kind of jump right in, but uh, and just talk about all like our favorite combat characters. But first off, we're going to go ahead and introduce everyone and uh, introduce everyone that we have with us. So first up, we have the Wise Sage, Josh Hardesty. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Next. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have Al Manley, uh, better known as Red Lanyard. Al, how you doing? I I don't want to go after Josh anymore. <laughs> I, I don't blame you. I do not blame you. You don't want to follow that. Um, Jenny, uh, we also have Jenny, better known as Raven. Jenny, how you doing tonight? I'm good. Doing good? Yeah. Yeah? So, so how does everyone feel about their, about their top ten list, by the way? angry because um it was almost impossible to do so impossible to do okay yeah, um, i don't i don't know jenny you might feel some way al you might feel some way too i've already talked about this with jake but like my top five has basically been set since i was like 12 years old and then like this the second five could all be like lumped in together like five through or six through like 20 you could have lumped them together put them in a big lottery ball you know like one of those spinning balls and then just like pulled out characters, and I probably would have been okay. So it was very difficult to get six through ten because they're all kind of together. So Doctor Fate's already your number six, right? Doctor Fate is not number. Doctor Fate's not your number six. I was, I was feeling bad about the oh yeah thing there for a bit, and since so you brought Doctor Fate, I don't feel bad about don't it. Don't feel bad about all. it now. <laughs> not at all. The Kool Aid Man has no time for Doctor Fate. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Al, how, do, how did you feel about your list uh, coming up with the the answers? Did you did you gonna have this kind of in the back of your head for a while, or were you did you have to kind of think about this one for a little bit? Well, you know what, I actually um, I talked to um, a friend of mine about uh, this project we're doing, this top ten for Comic Fest, and I said almost um, verbatim the same thing that Josh just said. Where like my top five has been pretty like has been pretty constant for like the last like 10 years or so mm -hmm. um like that last five it was really it was really hard to do it really it really forced me to stop and kind of consider just like you know how many comics of each character i've really read how invested i've been in various characters um and that was honestly kind of a journey just to kind of see where i've where I've been at various points in my life, to be honest, you know, it makes you think just how impactful and how um, invested in these, these characters we really get. So it was a tough one. I definitely, I definitely understand that. Um, <clears throat> you know, the, I mean, the way you guys have been saying it, you know, like my top, I'd say my top three have been that way for me pretty much consistently, but it's, it's pretty much everyone else was kind of, kind of fluctuating in different times until I finally came up with this list. 
But of course, the interesting thing about about doing lists like this and doing you know just any time that you talk about combo characters, you could literally name ten X Men and be like, "That's my top ten and just I'd be like, "Yeah, that's valid. Yeah, you know, you have to ten X Men. Go right ahead. You know, ten Teen Titans, ten Justice League, ten Avengers. Yeah, no, just, you could literally say that that was your top ten, and that's perfectly understandable and perfectly fine. And that's really the best part about comics and about these characters is that. There are so many different ones to choose from that touch on so many different varieties of stories and varieties of characters. And so it just, yeah, just I, I just, I just love comic books and I love comic book characters. But we're going to go ahead and jump right into it. Um, does anyone want to volunteer to start? Just pick one. Oh, just pick one. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good point. Okay. Go for it. All right. Yeah. No comic book messed up. I'll tell you what, Al. Let's go ahead and get your number 10. Yeah. I forgot to mention, we're going to be doing this and kind of breaking up kind of the same way we did with the video games where we're going to be doing 10 through 8 in this one and then so on and so forth, counting down to number one. But Al, let's go ahead and get your top 10, man. Absolutely. So my top 10. At on the bottom of the list here, at at, at old, old well-rounded ten right here, mm-hmm. is um this. Well, I was about to say this should come as a surprise to few, but some of y'all may actually be um, surprised he's this low um, on my list. Um, if anybody tuned in to Fandom Defense Court uh, podcast, you you heard me um, drone on and on about him in that but um my number 10 is john constantine wow that actually that's surprising yeah yeah well okay. I, I, i'm actually pretty shocked by that out mm-hmm. it was a rough list it's a rough list to make man mm-hmm. for sure so uh, so why is constantine your number 10 then man mm. a good question indeed editor-in-chief <laughs> editor of the arcane arts mm. um so John Constantine has been a character. I won't drone on um, as much about him at this time, since there is an entire podcast worth of me talking about why I love this character. But um, spoiler alert: character- I'll be droning on a few that we've talked about. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. we um, I'll drone as long as you want, Al. We <laughs> um, but uh, John Constantine has always been a character that's really interested me. Um, for those of you uh, who don't know, which if you don't oh this about me by now after following your stuff i'm very surprised um i'm very much into the horror side of of comics of films you know i spearhead horror fest um every year for fandom correspondence um i'm into that kind of horror-esque kind of occult side of entertainment um i think it's really interesting um um and John Constantine has always appealed to me uh, because, you know, as somebody with a heavy uh, background in psychology, um, as somebody with a a graduate degree in psychology, I'm always fascinated to examine characters from the perspective of, you know, what, what drives them, what kind of drives them forward, you know, what they do, what kind of gives them, you know, the ideas that they have, the ideals uh, that they have. Um, and I've always been fascinated um, by John Constantine because he's somebody who kind of, he defies that kind of categorization. He defies that kind of 
psychological um, um, analyzation in that way. Just because, um, and again, I talked about this on Phantom Defense Court. Um, John Constantine is a character who he himself, he doesn't really know where he falls on on any spectrum of ethics or morality or, or being a villain or a hero um, or what have you. Um, he's a character who, who always kinds of feels like he's trying to to figure that out for himself while um, also, you know, you can also say that his drive um, the motivation he has um, is very base is very um, evolutionary as well, because you read a lot of his stories and a lot of them are just him trying to figure out ways to carry on and survive in the very, very dark um, world that he, uh, that he, abides in, uh, whether it be the old school Hellblazer comics um, from Vertigo, or whether it be the more uh, recent stuff where he's a bit more mixed in with the rest of the DC universe. Um, you know, he's a character who who you can get a vibe for, right? You can get kind of a feel of who he is and what he's about and what he might do. Uh, but at the end of the day, when it comes to you know, well, why did he choose to save these people this time versus why did he choose to, you know, um, seemingly be so cruel to this other character this other time? And some people may point to that as evidence of inconsistent writing over the years. Some people might try to point to that as, well, he's just, you know, he's just a rapscallion He's just a he's just a rogue with no code or whatever, but um, I think it's really evident of of the fact that he's a character who's trying to figure out where he is um, at any given point, and I think that's betrayed by you know the cockiness in his personality um, that everyone knows and loves. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people know and love. Um, for that character. Um, so yeah, just that kind of, that fact that he kind of represents just a very relatable aspect of, of being a human, of trying to figure out where you are, trying to figure out where you stand, but also trying to figure out ways to survive and thrive and take care of those around you. Uh, trying to figure out ways or times when you might be better off on your own. So, so yeah, he's just he's just a very interesting character that kind of defies that kind of categorization that a lot of people like to do uh, with characters, and especially characters um, in comic books. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I <clears throat> I think that's a fantastic little rundown of, of Constantine. I think. You're probably the only one who has him on your top ten. Uh, yeah, I think that'd be fair. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair fair statement. But, yeah, don't uh, want to spoil anything. <laughs> <laughs> he's not in my top ten, guys. <laughs> well, but that's but that that is a fantastic start, though, man. Um, Jenny, mm -hmm. who is your number ten on your list? My number ten is Wolverine. Okay. Yeah. All right. yeah. Okay. I love Wolverine. Wolverine. All right. Um. Yeah. I mean, like he's just um. X-Men were some of the first comic book characters I ever 
was introduced to really. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember Josh having a big X Men like pillow buddy thingy. Yeah, and like I don't know, uh, not an X Men, like a Wolverine one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know, like these just always been kind of like Spider Man and uh, Wolverine. Like those two, like were always just. I don't remember not knowing them. So like, uh, yeah, it's it's weird. He's not higher on my list, but you know, you've given us a impossible task so i did whatever i did uh no it's just he's a great character um he's just always interesting there's never like i've never like read or watched anything including wolverine that was like boring that didn't like hold your attention like Mm. so uh yeah yeah good start and you're a big hugh jackman as wolverine stand oh of course yeah yeah yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure but i mean even before that years before that but Yeah. yeah i do i do love hugh jackman as wolverine he killed it. The uh, I, I know at least uh, 75% of us enjoyed, uh, you know, well, I don't think Hugh he Jackman's hated Wolverine. It. He's, I don't, just, he's yeah. just too tall. He's, he's yeah. just too tall. Just too if, tall. If he's, I, have, I have one comic book prejudice, and it's that one, that Hugh Jackman is too tall to play Wolverine. Yeah. but mm. you know, Possibly too handsome, too. What if, like, you met him and, like, he actually was, like, Sport. But here's the thing, I know he's not. Well, you've met him. <laughs> yeah, I haven't met him, but like... It's all like a facade. It's, it's all like, a facade. It's, it's like, a facade. Like, it's not actually that... He's like 5'5", five five <laughs> Yeah. He's not 6'2". Yeah. You know, so why don't you just like, imagine that? A 6'2", like, hunk of man. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, that's probably fair. Okay, there that's we go. See, now he loves him. It was that easy. <laughs> it was that easy. That was wrong. Oh, goodness. All right, Josh. Who's your number ten? Well, I want to I want to do this real quick, and I'd actually like to do this with Al and Kenny too, because I, I think the process of how we figure this out might be just as interesting. Mm. So, like here here was my process <laughs> on, on all of on on all ten of these. Okay, my process for all ten are this is broad, but characters that have had a profound effect on me in some way. And whether that would be like in comics or movies or whatever, you know, or cartoons or anything, you know, but they had to have something that was extremely memorable, you know, about them that held held my attention with them. Um, and so profound effects. The problem with that is like there's so many characters. Like I feel mm-hmm. like I feel really sad. Like there's like you know I feel like I I need to hunt down like you know Iron Man and apologize to him. For him not being in my top ten, and Black Adam's not in my top ten, which I know is going to be a real shocker to a wow. lot of people. Yeah. You know, and so there's a lot of characters that are, that are getting left off. So what I had to do was I had to pull the pull out Bill Simmons and say like, you know, with your tenth character, this is the character that you know is your cutoff point. You know, in order for someone to get into your top ten, they would have to have affected your life more than this tenth character. And for me, that tenth character, which is going to be weird because I know all of y'all probably have him higher, but it's Captain America is my tenth character. Okay. Now, you know, the interesting <laughs> thing about Captain America is that um, Captain America has had to be on this list if for no other reason than probably one of my five favorite comic runs ever is a Captain America run. Edgar Baker's run on Captain America is near perfect. Um, it's, you know, what uh, Winter Soldier's built around. Uh, the Really, the entire character of Bucky Barnes that we've come to know and love from Avengers is part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would also say, you know, even though he's kind of the guy that ends up stealing that show, the entire character of Captain America is really kind of 
redefined Ed, Ed Brubaker. It's very true. Um, and what what he means to the country as more than just the Star Spangled Guy, which is what the Avengers uh, movies and the whole MCU has tried to portray with Steve Rogers. Um, and so I'm not going to say much more about Steve Rogers because, like I said, I know he's coming up more of other people. But here's what I will say. Captain America had to make it on this list if for no other reason than the sheer amount of unbridled joy I felt to the right of me when I was watching Endgame and he picked up Thor's hammer. Mm -hmm. uh, the EIC turned into a four-year-old little girl. You know, it was just squealing and was just like, oh, he did it! And, like, it was... It, that, that was... It was, it was epic. That moment alone had to put Captain America in my top ten for me, um, because <laughs> because uh, just the the sheer joy. Uh, you know, Jake had been waiting. You know, at that point, you know, uh, he was even a little upset in Age of Ultron when he didn't pick up the hammer because who could be more worthy than Steve Rogers? And I do think that was that scene encompasses everything about Steve Rogers in a lot of ways. Uh, is that you know he is he is the the, the he is the one worthy superhero uh, in the MCU. You know everyone else really kind of deals with a lot of flaws and a lot of faults. You know and everything. And Steve Rogers really doesn't because at the end of the day, Cap's going to do the right thing. You know even when he has to make hard decisions, he's always going to do the right thing. Uh, and uh, that's hard for a lot of characters to figure out. And so yeah, that's why he's in my top ten. I'll readily admit, um, I was not necessarily in control of my body or the noises I was making during the last <laughs> roughly 40 minutes of Endgame. Yes, um, and, uh, and, and, I, and I don't apologize for that. Yeah. That uh, it, it just happened, you know. Um, I feel like that was a lot of people. That, that, there was a lot of people, you know. It's, you know. Um, you know, Josh, I am glad that you did that of, you know, saying why, why do these characters make your top ten? And, and, the, and the idea of your tenth character has to beat, you know, your next, your next ten, and your ne really your ne the rest of your list. Um, <clears throat> when we first started fan correspondence about six years ago, there was a point where I was trying to do a top fifty comp characters of all time, um, and I did quite a few we we did do quite a few of those. I, th I think uh, I think Denny was the only one who didn't actually get in on that um, at the time, um, but. You know, it's it's so weird to do this one because number 10 has been as low as 16 on my list, and he's been as high as 7 on my list. Oh. Um, he, a list uh, through the years. Oh, yes, exactly, yes, a list through the years. Um, and, of course, like... Depending on how, depending on what I've read last also might have affected some of, the, some of these things, but with this character, this... He's just—he's always been there. He's—he's he's one of my earliest memories as as a of a of a comic character, and and I know he's going to be higher on yours. I know you're about to be upset with me, but number ten is Magneto. Um, so, I mean, going—we're talking going all the way back to you know, a, a man in purple just doing these crazy speeches while fighting dinosaurs in the Savage Land in the second season of the X-Men animated series. Yeah, you know, like, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking, you know, the, the incredibly real and horrific opening of, of the first X-Men film and X-Men the First Class. Um, 
just everything about Magneto and every and everything every pretty much every iteration of him as a character has been has had a profound effect on me. Um, he's always been kind of interesting because you know he starts he starts out as a villain and then in Claremont's run he gradually becomes something different. Um, even the first time you see him in Claremont's run, he he is technically a villain, um, but. It, as as you come to understand, and honestly, just because just because Claremont was right, it's the way to write him. Um, and one sixty one, X Men one sixty one is the first time that you find out about his origin. You find out that he was a victim of the Holocaust, and uh, because of that, obviously that had a massively profound effect on his life, and really set him on his path. Uh, once he once he got powers, that's when. That's when he started. Of course, the early earlier stories are he started hunting down like Nazis and he started hunting down like Baron Strucker and stuff like that. And it's really really great storyline. Um, but at his core, that's the interesting part of Magneto is that even at the most evil thing that he could possibly do, there are still moments where you start kind of thinking, okay, but is he right? And the reason that he's on my list is that, and I and I have I've said multiple times I don't have any villains on my list because to me Magneto's not a villain. Um, does he make wrong Does he make wrong wrong choices sometimes? Yes, Josh will shake his head head on that one. But but no, but there there are times where he has. Um, you know, may, maybe don't kill quite as many people. Um, but <laughs> um, but at the same time, there's never really a point where. Where there's never a point where you don't understand where Magneto's coming from, um, where you can at least understand he's trying to, to defend the people that he cares about. He's trying to defend what, who, and everything he loves, um, and that's why that's the best way to write Magneto. Uh, in the current run with Jonathan Hickman writing Magneto is he's a leader and he is he is someone that people look to. He is a constant uh, savior and defender of the of the. Not necessarily weaker mutants, but the the younger ones, ones who haven't really discovered all their powers yet. And there's never a point where he like talks down to anyone unless they're a human. Um, pretty much every time that he's talking to other mutants, it's always in a in a way where he is either trying to teach someone or he is trying to guide them in the and and explain to them you could be one of the most powerful things on the on the earth and you don't even know it yet. That that comes a lot. That comes along and it's very prevalent in certain issues where he's talking to kids who have literally just gotten their mutant abilities and have just come to Krakoa for for safety. Um, and he's he saves a bunch of them. And he's actually looked like I said as a savior, and that's that's just who Magneto is. If when it comes right down to it, you know, if it's Xavier versus Magneto, I kind of agree with Magneto more often um, because Magneto is ultimately willing to put everything on the line just to defend his people. And so, yeah, so that's why he's in my top 10. And he is, he has always just been such a striking, striking character that I've always, you, you can't see Magneto and not understand that he demands that kind of attention. He demands that kind of presence. And so, so yeah, so that's why he's my number 10. So, yeah. All right, Al, moving uh, moving us right along. Who is your number nine, my friend? All right, my number nine. Um, so my number nine is a character who um, 
he's kind of an odd one. Um, he's kind of the odd one out, or the more unusual one, I guess, on my list. He's a character who means a lot to me, and is probably the character I've interacted with and have become invested in um, the most recently out of all of the characters on my list. Um, and this is also the only character on my list who is not from either of the big two. So he's the only character who's not um, from DC or Marvel. Um, but um, yeah, I think he's a great character. He's one of the most interesting characters I've ever um, seen adapted either to screen or to page. Um, just out of curiosity, does anybody have have a guess as to who my character is? Number nine. This is my first. My first thought is is invincible, but you said that this person didn't start in comics, right? Right. Hmm. He's not part of the big two. There's a lot. This is this is odd. This is very very odd. I really don't know. I have no clue. Casper. 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 <laughs> it's a Casper. Casper. It's a Casper. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Um, at number nine for Al's top ten f- favorite comic book list is Spike Spiegel uh, from Cowboy Bebop. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm down with it. Were, was he adapted into a comic? I'm assuming he's a manga somewhere. Huh. Yeah, he um, on the manga um, adaptations of Cowboy Bebop um, were adapted after um, the anime uh, was released. Huh. Okay, yeah. sweet. Hey, Bob. There you go. Hundred percent. I'm. I'm re- please tell hey, tell us hey, about Spike. For the record, as we are recording this. I have on my Spike Spiegel See You Space Cowboy shirt. Yeah, mm-hmm. he does. That's true. So, oh, yeah. Just throwing that out there. Excellent. Excellent. But, um, yeah, um, Spike um, is one of my favorite characters. Um, for those of you who have followed us for a while um, and kept up with uh, some of our written stuff, um, Cowboy Bebop was the first anime that I watched um, completely through. It was the first anime uh, that was featured on uh, my segment on the Phantom Correspondence website. Um, I knew life as an anime fan. Um, And first off, Cowboy Bebop um, itself is my favorite anime um, I've ever seen. Um, It's possibly my favorite show I've ever seen. Uh, just overall, um, it's it has one of the most interesting and and intriguing ways of s- s- storytelling. Um, and I'm getting into into this because this is important context to understand why I enjoy Spike so much. Um, it has a really intriguing um, way of storytelling. In Cowboy Bebop, where usually you start a show or you start a comic book series or you start a book. Um, usually you'll start a series and you'll have these characters in the story. And you'll usually be at like the starting point 
or pretty close to the starting point of who these characters are, of their character arcs, when you start the story with them, right? Because you would expect you'll follow them along and see them grow and develop um, and, bec- and gradually become a new character or a new um, a minute type of human being by the end of it. Um, Cowboy Bebop is really interesting because Cowboy Bebop is a show in which when you meet the characters in this show, um, including Spike, they're already about 80% of the way into their character arc. Um, they've already had tons of experiences and tons of things they've done and things that have happened to them that have really crafted who they are. Um, and that's true of Spike. And then as the show goes on, you get to see some flashbacks. You get to see and learn some um, some of what those things are. And then as the show progresses and reaches um, um, its end, you see the rest of that development um, kind of occur and take place, um, usually with one or two episodes that are very um, uh, very um, significant for each character. Um, and that's a big reason why uh, I fell in love with Spike's character um, so fast and so completely. Um, you know, you start the show, Spike is is a bounty hunter um, in space, which already I can't think of a space bounty hunter in any kind of fandom who isn't <laughs> super cool. Um, That's fair. And, and he's a s- s- super cool dude. Um, he goes after bounties on various uh, types of planets. Um, he's got his own ship. He's got his own kind of speeder ship within that ship. Um, and he goes on um, adventures and, and goes after bounties with his friend um, and um, his business partner. You know, they pick up various characters over the course of the show. Um, and he's a character who is impressive in the way he's presented. Because they could have presented Spike early on in the show, at any point in the show. They could have presented him as this extremely edgy, kind of super over-the-top, kind of dark and mysterious character and really play up the fact that, ooh, he has a past, and who knows what happened to his past, and oh, but he's really cool, and he's really dark, and he's, ooh, he's, he's really edgy. And they did not go that route. Um, they went the route where they tried to show him as a real human being, a person who, yeah, obviously he's had things happen in his past, and obviously those were things that kind of shaped who he who he is when we see him, but that's always kind of hinted at. And it's kind of, and it's kind of always, I'm just kind of alluded to, but the more focus of the show for Spike is where he is at that point and how he interacts with people and how his interactions with people affect what he does and how he handles various kinds of situations and various kinds of characters. And so we get to watch this character um, becomes somebody who we care about. And that is what ties us in to wondering about his past. And that's what hooks us into wondering, okay, well, 
you know, what did happen? What do all these flashbacks sequences mean? You know, what do all these gray scenes in the outro of every episode, like what's going on there? I want to know. Not because he was presented as this super edgy, mysterious character, but because he was presented as someone who, who you can care about. And as you learn more about him and as you care more about him, just from seeing him handle um, on the bounties he gets and seeing him, he'll make these, these ethical decisions on what to do in this kind of wild West futuristic um, place. Um, you start to care about him as a character, not just, Oh, I wonder why he's so mysterious and edgy, but because he's he feels real and he feels like a character you should care about and over time you get so much more invested into who he is that way um than them trying just to lather on some thick kind of um um, reliance on an edgy cool dark backstory and his backstory is excellent he has one of the best character arcs i've ever seen in anything i've read or watched but the way he was presented was just, it made it so easy to invest yourself in him. But um, yeah, I don't want to talk about his actual stories too much because I want everyone to go experience the show for themselves. But um, but yeah, that's why he makes my list. Uh, that fantastic pick. And, and I'm glad that you didn't go too deep into spoilers. Um, because, because you're absolutely right. If you have not watched Cowboy Bebop, even if even if you think, oh, I don't like anime, it's all goofy and stuff like that. No, seriously, just do yourself a favor, go watch Cowboy Bebop. Um, it's got everything you want. It really does. It's even uh, got a little corgi. Yes, it even has a little corgi. Who's the smartest sure. person on the show? Yep. Like well, yep. the the smartest person mm-hmm. on the show. And so. uh, yeah, and we and and it's it's just wonderful. It's absolutely fantastic. All right, Jenny. Uh, yeah. Who you got for number nine? Number nine is uh James Buchanan Barnes. James Buchanan. <laughs> I'm, Buchanan. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. Did you, did, uh, Jenny? I said number nine, not not number two I or three. No. <laughs> okay, this was very difficult. He's not top five. Yeah, this is well, weird. Oh, okay, all right. I will start crying. Okay, okay. I'm, okay. Sur- <laughs> I'm surprised he's not top three. Exactly. Yeah. I am too, but. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so why, why is Bucky number nine for you? Well, kind of to like talk about like what Josh said about like how we had to choose them. Like my top ten has definitely changed over the years for the most part, but the top ten that I have picked are kind of all just number ones to me that you made me uh, list as, as a, a top ten. So, um, so he loves kinda, he loves Bucky. He's also channeling his anger towards me. I am me. as the yeah. Winter Soldier. Yeah, he's not really that angry anymore. Okay, but, he, he was a little anger, angry in the most recent episode. He, he, he's a little angry. He, he's, he's a little, a little angry. He's a little angry. Like, <laughs> but like, it's warranted. It's warranted okay? angry. Okay, yeah, so, good like, point. It's fine. He can be angry all he wants. Um, but no, like even like yeah, no, I just I love that character. Um, you know, he's got. I don't know. He's such he's such a sad character, but like he's I don't know. There's just I, I just I just love him. I, I will start crying about Bucky. I, I really will, especially like with the Falcon and Winter Soldier being on right now. Um, just seeing more of him because like the we saw him in the movies, but like it was very like little like you know snippets. Like I mean, he didn't even really talk in the Winter Soldier. Um, 
So when he did, he was saying things <laughs> that typically involved him killing someone. Right. So, you so know. it's like, you know, we're just now getting to really learn the character. But like even before that, like it's just I don't know. Bless his little heart. Bless I his just little heart. Feel so bad for him. I just want to hug him. Does and does does the Winter Soldier? Because I was thinking about this. Does he have the best like introduction in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Oh, I think so. Like he mm-hmm. just shows up and you know he's got, Rex that, Nick he's Fury. got that grenade launcher, mm-hmm. you know, and just stands there and just watch. I got because like you know we've we've been we've been TikToking recently. And Straw Hat was talking about the issues with Captain Marvel and everything, and like. You know how you know his she's an amnesiac and Bucky's an amnesiac and how Bucky's more interesting. I'm like, well, yeah, but like they had Bucky show up and like just start blowing stuff up, and they had Captain Marvel crash into a blockbuster. Like it's a whole different thing. Like it's true. I mean, I don't think you can compare the two. I would you never. Can't, you actually, can't. But I'm just saying, so. like as far as like introducing, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay, I'm just saying it's. I, I, I was like on your side here. No, as I get far it, as I introducing get it. a character, yeah. like that's memorable. Yeah, it is. You know, going yes. going by my metric of like, you know, being a memorable character. Man, I remember when he stepped on, when he stepped on screen. You were just like, oh. Yeah. Oh, I was like, oh my is, gosh, and I like is, fell in love. Yeah. Like I was like, wow, I want to marry that man. That's about to were, kill everything. And, and then yeah. it was really uh, sad. <laughs> and everything about that, his character in that movie sad. It is, and we get to see like you know a different kind of vulnerable with him, like trying to heal still, uh, you know, through kind of losing Steve and like, um, you know, Sam. But, well, this is spoilers by the way of Falcon Winter Soldier, but Sam just being like, I don't want the shield, and then like him being like, you know. If Steve was wrong about you, then he was wrong about me too. Like that's just, whew. I just, it's very. I'm gonna cry, but I love Bucky. It's why he's my number nine and like basically number one because all of mine are number one. But, okay. So. Gotcha. Hey, no, no, I. He elicits a lot of emotion. Uh, <laughs> Bucky was a Bucky was a hard was a hard cut for me. He's he's Ew. one of those. Oh, he's not in your top ten. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> No, it's okay. Yeah, no. So my number nine is Bucky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Al, do you want to change yours too? Like, real quick? No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Bucky Barnes. I just wasn't expecting you to cut him. Of all, of all people. It's okay. a, that's something I expect from Josh, but not from you. Yeah. Man. Like of all people. Well, no, just because he's a big Captain America stan, so it's like, well. I, I am a big Captain America stan, and, and I love Bucky. Yeah, I do. I'm sorry. That was just like a gut reaction. I apologize. Okay. Uh, well, it's your, it's your top ten. You can it do what is. You want. It is true. They're your oats. They're, they're my oats, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you, you want them? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, no, sorry. That was just, that was very. Uh, no, 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 you're good. Um, as, as I was saying, Bucky was a hard cut. Phantom um, is for everybody. Yeah, Phantom is for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, goodness. Uh, Josh, who's, who's your number nine, man? I don't know. Is, is, it, I is it Bucky? I'm I very, hope it's Bucky. I'm very passionate about Bucky. <laughs> uh, it's not Bucky. Um, so number nine for me is the is the character that you were talking about, like, moving up since we've done this. This is the character that's moved up the highest for me, and he's probably going up again. Okay. Uh, it's Black Panther, T'Challa. Okay. Um, so Black Panther, you know, like the reason he's only at number nine is because the character when I was when I was first getting the comics, Black Panther. Um, it's kind of sad to say it. It's really weird to say, considering how ubiquitous the character is now. But he's just in the late '90s and early 2000s. He's a character that's essentially just showing up in Avengers. 
mm-hmm. you know, every now and then. Of course, uh, he has the Christopher Priest run. He does have the Christopher but... Priest run, which was extremely hard to get in all those broken yeah. time. In fact, I don't remember it existing, okay? Yeah. So, like, until somebody had told me there was a Christopher Priest run, I had no idea that existed, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, as the char- so with the character, though, in those early, in those late 90s and early 2000s, really the late 80s, too, Avengers and stuff, um, he, he shows up, he's not, you know, he's not at the focus, but he's always so cool when he shows up because he's different. Because whereas all the other superheroes, are, you know, Spider-Man's like, I'm poor. Captain America's like, I'm a man out of time. You know, Iron Man is rich, but like, you know, he's just got the suit. You know, Black Panther's literally a king. And he's a king of a mystical hidden nation. Um, so right off the bat, he has this air of mystery around him. And then with Tom Hasey Coates' run, that was his entire thing was basically taking the veil off of this, you know, mystical nation. And it's Tom Hasey Coates' run on Black Panther, in my opinion, is the most underrated comic book run out there. It's never cracked the top 20 in sales. I don't know why. Um, you know, I, I don't know how it does on graphic novels. I do know if you like the Black Panther, if you're listening to you like the Black Panther movie at all, you owe it to yourself to read the Tom Hissy Coates run because all of it comes from his run. Him and Brian Stelfreeze, everything about that, the the mixing of the culture, of the uh, the African culture and the tech, technology, that's all from Tom Hissy Coates and Brian Stelfreeze. Um, you know, the way things are designed to the point of like they have the what is essentially a bat cave, but it's a vibranium cave. Mm. Um, that's that all comes from him. And uh so that character, you know, has become somebody that when I was when I got back into comics, like every month I was waiting for the Black Panther comic just to see where this was going to be taken. And the character of T'Challa is just so great anyway, because particularly now as he's being written. The whole point of T'Challa is, like, what is the point of a king in this world where monarchies really are looked down upon? And that's the whole thing. That's part of T'Challa's arc is that he has to not only prove that he's a good man, he has to prove that he's a good king and he's a good enough king that he makes kings still relevant in this world. That is an interesting arc. And, And the fact that that's what he struggles with um, I mean, he's just, that, that's what I love about him. So, yeah, that's why he's my number nine. And he's honestly probably moving up. You know, the more I read about Black Panther uh, and everything, the more he's going to move up. Absolutely. Um, T'Challa did make my list. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> really proud of you. Oh, goodness. Um, yeah, Black, Black Panther's a fantastic character. Um I'll be talking about him a little bit more uh, later, but uh, but yeah, definitely definitely a solid choice for the top ten. Um, all right, my number nine. Okay, this is if I uh, if I expected you know or I I actually didn't expect you to get too upset about Bucky not being on the top ten. I feel like he's about to lunge at me for this one. Um, my number nine is Black Widow. Um, I mean, it's your top ten. You gotta do what you gotta it, do. It is my top ten. Gotta do what I gotta do. <laughs> if I look at you differently afterwards, that's you know, that's just those are the decisions I've made. Yeah. You know, um, but no. It, in all seriousness, you know, when when we started doing doing the top ten, and Al, it's also one of the reasons I'm glad you did Spike Spiegel, um, is because when it comes to Black Widow, as great as some of her comic book runs have been, um, and she needs more, she's 
it was recently brought to my attention that as a legacy from a legacy numbering, she only has like 50 issues out of her solo series, which are we surprised? Is weird and not good at all. Can like you, that. That is insane. I'm sorry. Uh, hang, hang on. Hang on. Say, say, say that one more. Into the into the, the into the mic, please. Are you surprised? Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. We when you start looking at her as a solo character, she had a she had like a mini series in the eighties. She didn't really do. She didn't. She was. She's always been part of the Avengers, but it's kind of like Josh said. Um, is that she's always kind of been a character that was on the team. It's never the same way with Black Panther. Having a single, a single solo series or anything like that wasn't really something that she had done prominently until maybe the mid two thousands. I would say. She does have a lot of the Marvel, Marvel tales. Yeah, yeah I, don't really count. Same as Black Panther with Jungle Action. Mm-hmm. Um. But they, of course, she has, there's the Greg Rucker run, then there's Nathan Edmondson takes over in 2012, 2011, something, something like, like that. that. Then uh, Mark Wade and Chris Samney have one after and that. you've got uh, Kelly Thompson. Kelly Thompson. Which, which is the best comic on the market right now. Mm-hmm. Black, Black Widow, uh, Kelly Thompson is the, uh, you have to read it. You just have to. Um, but, but, to say, but to say all that, you know, as much as I love her appearances in the comics, it was it's really been, especially over the last you know ten years, uh, or now even going on eleven years, um, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow has formed such a life with the character on her own that it's kind of hard to think about Black Widow without thinking about her and vice versa. Um, I know every, everyone would talk, everyone talks about Chris Evans as Captain America or Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. If you're not putting Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow in that conversation, you're doing something wrong or you're not watching the films correctly. Just hands down. I'm just saying that right now. Um, and and it, it, she is long overdue for the solo film that's coming out. Um, this should have happened before Age of Ultron, if if not sooner. Um, but, uh, you know, I just... Her, her character arc is such an interesting one, especially when you get to... In game, when she's, uh, and which I think is her, 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 really her moment, in my opinion. Um, because when you first see her and she's talking about how many lives she's led and how she didn't have a family until the Avengers, and or she didn't, or she didn't have a family as close as she did until the Avengers. Um, there's such a, there's such an emotional connection there between that. And then between that horrible, horrible scene on Vormir, um, where she makes the ultimate sacrifice, because it's not to her at that point, she's not just saving, you know, all of these people, you know, the ha- half of existence. She's saving her family, and that's why she has this ultimate sacrifice, and that's why she chooses that. And I don't really know if there's another actress or even or another character. Who would really have had the same the same amount of emotional connection? I, I know, of course, a lot of people have always said, you know, oh, Hawk, it should have been Hawkeye instead, and I would have hated that too because I love Hawkeye. But it should have been Nebula. It okay should have been Nebula. Okay. Um. Anyways, um. Just it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know. Um. What 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 are we? Okay. All right. Let's go. Um. But the um. 
but but that but that's the thing is that that sacrifice and how much had led up to that, even even to the point in, in she has probably my favorite moment in Civil War where she, uh, which of course I kind of hate it because she electrocutes Black Black Panther and I love Black Panther, but she is never really on any one side. She's trying to keep the Avengers together. She's trying to keep everyone together as much as she can, because I think that she knows. And I mean, obviously, I don't think she knows about Thanos, but I think that she knows that in, in her in her heart that if the Avengers split up, the world is in trouble, which is then what happens, is exactly what happens in Infinity War. Um, but no, that's just that's those reasons right there, though, is why she's why she's my number nine. She she is the heart and soul of the Avengers, and she holds that team together. Um, so yeah, that's that's my number nine. Okay. Um, and and apparently yes, it should have been Nebula on Vormir. Apparently, who who knew? What what a what a what a spicy take, Jenny. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. All right, Al. Moving on. What, who who have we got for number eight? All right. Uh, for number eight, uh, this is a character um, who everybody should be pretty familiar with by now. All our all our viewers and listeners out there. This is a character who's been pretty recently in the cultural zeitgeist. But um, my number eight character is the Scarlet Witch. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let me see Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, so uh, with her, um, s- similar kind of thing as with um, John Constantine, you know, she's in there as far as the um as like on um, the more occult side of comics that um, i've always been interested in um and again i'm gonna um take a bit f- uh, from jacob's lead here just um, just kind of talking about the movies um wanda had always been one of my favorite parts of all of the x-men stories that i've read and watched over the years for sure but um you know as far as as character introductions go in um the mcu you guys were talking about um you know the introduction to the winter soldier um you know the mcu's real introduction to scarlet witch in age of ultron which um again i argue is one of the most underrated of all the mcu films um and a big reason for that is because of um, elizabeth olsen and her introduction um as wanda um i mean she shows up on the scene and in immediately um that scene the entire film takes on just a whole new vibe i mean she comes in she does her weird like kind of frame glitch thing. <laughs> she sneaks up on characters um, and puts in just like horrific um, visions and um, and things like that into their mind. Um, she just kind of gets in there um, and causes chaos. Just really, her arrival in the MCU, um, in my opinion, really acted as um, as a milestone in a lot of ways for you know this is where things get dark this is where things get a lot more serious um and the stakes get higher and the tone changes 
because we get this introduction to a character who's who's so dark. Again, in Age of Ultron, Wanda is downright horrifying, uh, which I love. I love that that um, horror uh, kind of vibe she gives um, to that film. And then from then on, um, she is a character. I'm um, again just focusing on um, Elizabeth Olsen's version of the character, which I think now and also even down the road, we're going to look back on the iterations of Scarlet Witch and say, yeah, Elizabeth Olsen's is probably the definitive version of the character. Um, you have this character who's who's marked by a lot of grief, a lot of loss, a lot of, of controversy on the grand scheme of things. And, um, and the fact that, you know, the character has grown so important and so significant and so popular in, in pop culture that, you know, she was the face of the new phase of the MCU. I mean, obviously, um, it was originally going to be the Black Widow film, but um, she she was the start of the MCU. It was her project. Um, it was her story. It was her character arc we got to watch. Um, and I think that just speaks loads to the type of character that she is, that she acted as such a huge point of change in the greater MCU with her introduction and then with her own show um, and we also uh, get her as as kind of a a point of change and transition um, f- for the MCU um, as like a post infinity um, war uh, um, kind of project um, yeah I mean I can think I can think of very few characters who have a more interesting arc about grief and loss and fear and self-control um, um, as Wanda does. Um, um, again, I think that's true in the comics as well, but um, especially in the MCU with Olsen's um, incredible performance as her. Um, again, I think we'll look back on this era of comic book entertainment and sh- and she will be a huge, huge point that uh, we look back on and realize it was very special. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more uh, more with that, uh, especially I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned how, how she really kind of is the start of phase four with WandaVision. Um, and just how she is absolutely fantastic in that role, Olsen is. And I can't wait to see where her story goes from here. Can't wait for Doctor Strange 2 uh, next year, I believe. I thought it was March, I think, of next year, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong. Which that would be, if it is March, that's a that's a busy month because that's the Batman and Doctor Strange. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, Jenny. Um, you, yours is officially the one I am... I, I, I do not know where it's going from here. Bucky being number nine was a huge, uh, huge monkey wrench for me. Uh, I, th- I thought I had yours pretty well down, but now I have no idea. So who is number eight? I'm, I'm so dying to know. Number eight for me is also Scarlet Witch. 
Oh. Uh, oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, Great minds. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love Scarlet Witch. She, uh, I will say, um, she's not really a character I was um, super into before the movies. Um, but then, like, after, you know, seeing her, like, I just, I, like, I even got comics for my birthday of Scarlet Witch. Um, I just, I, I continually learn about her, and the more I learn, the more interested in her, and the more I love the character. Um, and, of course, WandaVision was just amazing. Um, and heartbreaking. And heartbreaking. Uh, I, I, I can't say enough good things about it. Um, not only did it, like, broaden her story and who she is as a character, but it also tackled things that aren't um, talked about a whole lot, uh, if ever. Um, especially in like the comic book, uh, well, as far as on screen, it's not really like discussed. And I think, uh, a lot of people are too, uh, they're, they're too scaredy cat to do it. And the, mm. <laughs> and Marvel was just like, we got this. Mm. And, Marvel and Scarlet Witch are not too scaredy <laughs> no. cat. <laughs> and I think they did a fine job, um, dealing with, uh, stuff such as grief and all that. So yeah, no, I love Scarlet Witch. Um, honestly, like, I mean, she, Again, I would love to put her higher, but you, you know, so it's just, it's, it's, they're all number one. A so. top 10 list has to work this way. I'm sorry. It has to work this way. But yeah, I mean, like, it also echo everything that, you know, Al said. So I guess it's, yeah. yeah. It's, I'm, I'm actually glad Scarlet Witch is on your top 10. Um, because, I don't know if you remember this, she is an X-Men Evolution. Do you remember her in X-Men Evolution? Vaguely. Vaguely? Yes, because, that I do. Because yes. we used to, we used to play out in the yard, and I always wanted to be Nightcrawler, and I think you always wanted to be Rogue, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Rogue, I was Rogue, Rogue was always your go-to. Yeah. But Scarlet Witch was, was a factor sooner or later at one point. Um, I barely remember that. I was, I was all about some Rogue. It's mm-hmm. really, yeah. Yeah, Rogue's pretty great. Um, Josh, moving on. Your number eight, sir. So my number eight, um, I'm going to temper how low my number eight is by saying this, okay, before I even mention it. Mm. I think with my number eight, there is an there is an objective argument to be made that number my number eight is the most successful comic book character of all time, okay. Um, just from just from a standpoint of not just you know the ability to recognize the character. But also just flawless execution uh, as a as a character. Yeah, Jenny's already picked out who it is. Uh, my number eight is Spider Man. Um, now, being that being said, of him being in my opinion the most successful comic book character of all time, doesn't mean he's my favorite. But I don't know at this point from eight on. You're we're starting to look at characters that I don't know what I would be if these characters did not exist. Um, because I don't know what, like, Spider-Man is such a huge part of my life. You just kind of grow up, I think anybody my age just kind of grew up with Spider-Man just there. Uh, whether it was in comics, whether it was in the animated series that, you know, is the third best animated series of the 90s, uh, at Batman X-Men 1 and 2. But it's still fantastic. It's great. Uh, does a really good job of is the X-Men intro or the Spider-Man intro better? X-Men intro. It's not even close. Okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> that's a dumb question. I don't think, yeah, it's EIC, right? Uh, but um, but but the, the, the just going on forward, what Spider-Man, and look, I know, 
Yeah, Al, I know you've got issues with Sam Raimi Spider-Man, but in 2002, that was that's what Superman meant to people in 1979. You know, uh, you know, it's 2002 Spider-Man, just seeing him swing. You know, and and of course, obviously, you had the most perfect song ever to go <laughs> along with that, with Cad Kroger's "Hero," uh, featuring Josie Scott. Um, but I just remember when when that movie came out, you know, all of us collectively, you know, my entire family collectively, even my mother collectively, decided, you know, we have to go and get a bunch of Spider-Man stuff. We just have to do it. And you know, it, it was great. It, it's it's really it, it and that movie. Because and I'm talk, talking about this movie because I know I know he's on everybody else's list, and I also know that no one else is going to talk about it. So in 2002, Spider-Man, you know, whatever we think of it now, probably saved the comic book industry because if that movie doesn't do successful, if that movie's not successful, I don't think you get the MCU today. And that's just I think that's just a fact. Um, but like even in in one of the reasons I do like Spider-Man so much, and this is the last thing I'll say about him, is even though you've got so many different iterations of the character, um, the character's core is so good that no one's decided to mess with it. Have you ever noticed that? Like, we're, we're at a point now where, like, I have to defend, you know, Batman not killing people, even though that's a core aspect of his character. But people want to take that because... You know, Batman is a darker character, and they're like, what if he was more like the Punisher? But literally every single thing you ever see on Spider-Man, whether it's the Sam Raimi movies, the Andrew Garfield movies, you know, the newer movies, the animated series, the weird MTV animated series that came out in the early 2000s that we all loved, Spider-Man yeah. 99, <laughs> all this stuff, they do not mess with the core of the, of the idea of this is a kid who got bit by radioactive spider, and with great power comes great responsibility. No one's ever messed with that because that would just be stupid, you know. And it so that's the power of the character, and that's that's one of the things I love about him is that you know he's just so recognizable. And uh, you know, and and all real quick, also giving up to Stanley and Steve Ditko here, probably the best power set in the history of comic books. Uh, yeah, because like there's no because of the power set. He's both overpowered and the underdog every single time. <laughs> so, like, when he's facing Venom, you're like, oh, Venom, what's he going to do? That's just basically Spider-Man with more Spider-Man. And then, but because he's Peter Parker, he's so smart, and he figures it out, you know? And you're like, oh, that's how it works. I mean, it is, it's the perfect power set. Spider-Man, in a lot of ways, is the perfect superhero, but he's not my favorite. So, that's why he's eight. You know, I didn't... we. For the record, none of us knew what our list were. None of us expected number eight to do this. Um, oh, so you're... you're however, since we have Scarlet Witch twice at number eight, it only makes sense that we also have Spider-Man twice oh, at number eight. Um, so, yes, yeah, Spider-Man is my number eight as well. Um, and like Josh said, I know he's going to be higher. Uh, I know at least on Al's list. I He could be off today's for all I know now. Um, I really don't know anymore. Um, look she just gave you. Yeah, the look she gave me. <laughs> just, not just. <laughs> um, and 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 you know, it's interesting also that you chose to talk about the 2002 film because I was going to talk about the 2002 film <laughs> because the thing is that Josh, you're right. If we don't have that movie, I don't know if we have the MCU today. 
And also, if we don't have that movie, I don't know if I'm sitting on this couch and discussing these characters the same way. Most importantly, we don't get the, I'm going to put some dirt in your eye. We don't get, I'm going to put some dirt in your eye. I mean, that's true. We don't get Bully Maguire in in 2007. Which I know Al is just sitting there like cringing. But I, I can't, I can't even pretend like I I don't need, like if that was not in my life, I'd be a little bit sadder. You want to know why. And I wouldn't know why. I'd just be like, what am I saying? Why, why is it? Why is it Toby McGuire talking about putting dirt in somebody's eye? I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> but anyways, um, I mean, because it, it, you're right. It's it's like you said. We the way that that movie hit in 2002. We I remember instantly going out to KB Toys at the mall. Which yes, yes, young ones. There were there used to be stores in the mall where you you would just get action figures. It was crazy. It was a wonderful time in our lives. Um, and I remember getting the Spider Man, where he would swing from the from the traffic light, yeah. and the Green Goblin that could not stand on the glider that could not stand on the glider to save its life, and it had the little uh, mm-hmm. spring pumpkin bombs, yeah. and it's just oh, it was great. Um, Spider-Man has always has always been there. He's always been a part of my life. Uh, the I would actually say that I remembered as a as a kid, I remembered more from the from the Spider-Man series that did the X-Men one. At least at the, at the time, because I think mom, I remember correctly, mom wasn't a big fan of the X-Men when we were younger versus Spider-Man. I think she always loved Spider-Man. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, so so I think you know we, if I remember correctly, we weren't really into X-Men as much as I was, we were into Spider-Man at, when I was growing up. Um, I mean, I was. That's I know you I were. You were be, yes, you, you were the bad kid, you yeah. know. Um, <laughs> Mom later fell in love with the X-Men, by the way, for anyone who wanted to know. Um, but Spider-Man, is just, he's always been there. And, and, and you're right. No one's really messed with that core. And that's what makes him... That was, that's what makes him who he is. Um and, and and but I think my favorite part about Spider-Man is that there's always there is always that moment. He's that traditional hero where there's always that moment of can he do this? Can he overcome the obstacle that that is before him? And he's he's one of the few characters that always has that moment. Um, just just off the top of my head, especially in, in each one of their first films, you have Tobey Maguire. Uh, Tony McGuire getting the absolute crap kicked out of him by by Green Goblin until he mentions Mary Jane. You and Andrew Garfield's. You have him. Uh, I, does he get shot in the leg? I think. I think he gets shot in the leg. All I know is that there, that something happens to where he can't go as fast as he should. But then all of those cranes, um, like spread out across the city because it's it's a really cool moment that and Mark Webb deserved more. Um, and uh, he uses that to swing, and it's it's great. And then, and Tom Holland's, of course, is probably the most the most prominent, at least for me. And it's one that I just absolutely adore when he's almost being crushed under the rubble, and then he looks in the reflection in the water, um, and he just he keeps saying, "You're Spider Man, you're Spider Man." And then he pushes the rubble off, and it's this. And of course, you know, being the comic nerds that we are, this is obviously a great callback to the final chapter, Amazing Spider-Man number thirty-two. Um, that great cover, like you said, by Steve Ditko. Um, 
you know, which someone has that comic, I think, from her correctly. I, I don't know. It's, I, th- I think someone does. Um, who, who could have such a treasure? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just, it's, that's who Spider-Man is. You can never count out Spider-Man. You, you know, even more, more than, more than Batman, more than Superman, more than Captain America, Iron Man, any of them. Spider-Man is the one that it doesn't matter what happens to him. He's always going to come back. And it's that kind of resilience and that kind of endurance is something that I think a lot of us need in our, in our day-to-day lives. We all have rough days. We all have those days where it feels like the world is crashing down around us and it's on top of us. But it's what we when we have to look inside ourselves and we have to say, we're Spider-Man, we're Spider-Man, and we are the ones that have to continue on. That's what Spider-Man means to me, and that's what Spider-Man means to a lot of us. And that's why he's unfortunately at number eight, and he can't be higher, and I hate that, but he, he's, he's my number eight. Um, he, you know, I did do it. You're right, Jenny. Yes. Th- th- thank you for reminding me of that. No problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, that is going to end it for the for the first round uh, of all of our top, all of our ten through nines. Thank you all so ten very. Mm-hmm. Ten through eight. Excuse me. Yes, ten through eight. Excuse me. I'm all kinds of messed up here um, because Spider Man's at number eight and he should be higher, but he can't be higher. It's it's a whole weird dichotomy. Um, thank you all so much for listening, though. <laughs> um, we we have had a blast already discussing these lists, and we can't wait to share the rest of them with you all. Um, please let us know on, on social media. Hit us up in the comments on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, anything like that. What's your top ten? Who who are some of your absolute favorites? We would love to hear from you all. We'd love to talk with you all. Um, so once again, thank you all so much for listening. And as always, remember that fandom is for everyone. Have a good night.